0: nations descended from Noah. Now this is the genealogy of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshech, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Togarmah. Teg- the sons of Javan were Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodanim. From these, the coastal peoples of the Gentiles were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Rama, and Sabtika. The sons of Rama were Sheba and Daden. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Chalnai in the land of Shinar. From that land he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth-ir. Kala, and Rezin, between Nineveh and Kala, that is the principal city. Mizraim begot Ludim, Anamim, Lebahim, Naphtahim, Patrasim, and Kalsahim, from whom came the Philistines, and Kaphtarim. Canaan begot Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, the Jebusite, the Amorite, and the Girgashite, the Hivite, the Arkite, and the Sinite the Arvidite, the Zemurite, and the Hamathite. Afterward, the families of the Canaanites were dispersed, and the border of the Canaanites was from Sidon as you go toward Gerar, as far as Gaza. Then as you go toward Sodom, Gomorrah, Admah, and Zeboim, as far as Laisha. These were the sons of Ham, according to their families, according to their languages in their lands and in their nations. And children were born also to Shem, the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder. The sons of Shem were Elam, Asher, Arphaxad, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram were Uz, Hul, Gether, and Mash. Arphaxad begot Salah, and Salah begot Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg. For in his days, the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Jachtan. Jachtan begot Almadad, Sheleph, Hazarmaveth, Jera, Hadaram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimelech, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Jachtan. And their dwelling place was from Mesha, as you go towards Sephar, the mountain of the east. These were the sons of Shem, according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands, according to their nations. These were the families of the sons of Noah, according to their generations, in their nations. And from these, the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. Chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. This is the reading of God's word, and I just would love for us to accept it as that.
1: Thank you, Brother Colt. Let me pray quickly. Father, thank you for your word. I just ask that you will speak to each of us. I pray that you will speak through me. And I ask that our hearts will be open and attentive to receive what it is that you have to say. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Daniel 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in. And I told them the dream... But they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me. He who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians! And it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant. And in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. And the birds of the heavens lived in its branches. And all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed. And behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus... Chop down the tree and lop off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will, and sets over it the lowliest of men." This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation. Because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able. For the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream of the, or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, A holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the King that you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and he ate grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days... I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. What a powerful story. And the main lesson that the Lord was teaching Nebuchadnezzar was simple. That the Lord rules. In fact, three times it was repeated. In verse 17 it says... The Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom He will. Verse 25. The Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom He will. Verse 32. The Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom He will. As we consider the passage from Genesis today. I want us to consider this idea. The Lord rules. The the, the Lord rules. Humble yourself before him. In chapter 10, we see that the Lord rules over mankind. Seek him. In chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, we see that the Lord rules in spite of mankind. Trust him. And last of all, in verses 6 through 9 of chapter 11, we see that the Lord rules justly over man. Praise him. First of all, the Lord rules over mankind. Seek him. Now, Genesis 10, as Colt was reading it, is full of a lot of interesting names. And I'm sure some of you guys were getting lost. It's like, huh? But you know what's interesting is that Genesis 10 is called the table of nations, and as we consider all of the, the hundreds of thousands of nations and peoples in the world today, every single one and every single person can trace their genealogy back to the men who are in Genesis chapter 10. In fact, there are scientists now, there's a creation scientist, his name is uh, Dr. Jensen. And he does, he does work with DNA. And every single man can go and get a test done with the Y chromosome. And through that testing and through DNA, they can chart back your ancestry all the way back to one of the men in Genesis 10. Which is pretty incredible. So every family can... Chart back their ancestry all the way to Genesis 10. Talk about Ancestry.com, huh? In verses 2 through 5, we see that it gives us the sons and grandsons of Japheth. And history shows us that Japheth and his sons and those nations went towards Europe. And verses 6 through 20, it spends quite a bit of time talking about Ham. And the majority of Ham and his sons and grandsons, they went towards Africa. But one big exception was his son Canaan. And they were in the Middle East and the Canaanites. And then in verses 21 through 31, there's a big focus on Shem which uh, last week as we considered the, the important role of Shem, he was the great-great-great-grandfather of Abraham from whom the, the nation of Israel came and from whom we, the Messiah came, Jesus. In fact, here in Genesis chapter 10, verse 21, it, it highlights, it says, to Shem also, and then it's interesting, it says, the father of all the children of, of Eber. Um, and that's kind of interesting because Eber was one of his great gra- grandsons. But part of the reason why the Holy Spirit through Moses highlights this is because Eber, from Eber, we get the, he, the, the, the word Hebrew. So the Hebrew people, Eber was the father of the Hebrew people. And so Abraham was one of his, his descendants, and from Abraham came the nation of Israel and ultimately the Messiah. But one of the things I want us to consider, because we can look at this and say, wow, this is incredible. And I'm amazed that, that scientific technology can allow us to see which person we're directly related to from Genesis 10. In fact, they say that most Western European peoples they can be traced back to Joktan, who was uh, one of Shem's Shem's uh, in Shem's lineage. It's incredible, but I want us to consider that as there was the division of the peoples. First of all, they were all from one family. Noah's family. And we, we live in a time where in the, the, the world around, they want to make a big deal about the differences between human beings and this race and that race. But when we go back to Genesis 10, we see that actually human beings aren't multiple races. We're all from one race, the human race. And we can go back to Adam, but we can go back to Noah. And every single one of us, it doesn't matter if you're in Africa or Asia or Europe or here in the Americas. You can trace your lineage back to one of these men in Genesis 10 and ultimately to Noah. Thank you, Lord. And it highlights that the Lord was superintending all of this. In Acts chapter 17... The Holy Spirit through Paul is speaking and he says this in verse 26 through 27. And he, speaking of the Lord, made from one man, Noah, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods. And the boundaries of their dwelling place. That they should seek God. And perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. See the Lord determined. When we were going to live. The, the Lord determined what nation we would be a part of. It was the Lord who determined our ethnicity. And he superintended and he ruled over all of that for the purpose that people everywhere would seek him. So I challenge us think about the Lord's ruling over all the peoples of the earth and respond to that by seeking him. Seek him. In his word, seek him as you're out in creation and you look and you see how the creation points to him. And when you see the different ethnicities and the the beautiful colors of skin and the many languages, allow all of that incredible diversity to point you to him, the one who is ruling over it all. See, the Lord rules. It's it's the lesson that Nebuchadnezzar had to learn. We must learn as well. He rules. And he rules not over just one person. He rules over all mankind. Acknowledge his rule over your life and, and seek him. Now, in chapter 11, we see that the Lord rules in spite of man, or in spite of mankind, Trust him. Genesis eleven one through five. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. So the land of Shinar is modern day Iraq. So when we, when we hear about stuff going on in Iraq, it's speaking of Shinar. And settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a, and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth now this isn't the first time where we heard of something going up into the heavens i would have us recall nebuchadnezzar and the dream that he had and multiple times it highlights that there was this tree with its top in the heavens you see the people who were building the city of babel which if you go back to chapter 10 verses 8 through 10 it was under the leadership of a guy named nimrod says Cush father Nimrod he was the first on earth to be a mighty man or some would really say that when it says mighty man that he was a tyrant he was a mighty hunter before the Lord or in the face of the Lord so in rebellion to the Lord therefore it is said like Nimrod a mighty hunter before the Lord and then in verse 10 it says the beginning of his kingdom was Babel so this city and this tower, and they would say that it was a ziggurat of a, of a tower. For those who have studied in history where they built it up with, a, with a, uh, um, an altar for sacrifice at the top. They were trying to reach God. They were trying from their best efforts to bridge the gap that separated man from God. Man from divinity. They were building a tower to reach into the heavens. Nebuchadnezzar, as he built his nation. Isn't it interesting to make the correlation here? He was the king of Babylon. Which Babylon is the very same place as Babel. It's the word Babel with the, with the Y-O-N on it is the Greek ending. So it's just another name for the same place where Nimrod was operating. And in both of these instances, they were trying to reach God. When you think about it, that's what human religion does, isn't it? Tries to make a way to reach God. Human religion says that there is a God... Somewhere, And it is up to you to bridge the gap that separates you from that God. And so, as you consider the religions of the world, they all teach a works-based religion. You have to do this. You have to be good. You have to... Go to church. You have to go and do all of these things with the hope that you can bridge the gap that separates you from God. And we could take one world religion after another and we could go through and see how at its very base, it's a works-based religion that is saying you have to take responsibility to bridge the gap that separates you from your Maker. I love verse five. And the Lord Yahweh came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. <laughs> It doesn't even say that he came down to the tower. It says that he came down in order to see the tower. Mankind in all of their their pride and in their self-trust. They thought that they had what it took in order to reach God. But in spite of mankind's best attempt, the Lord still ruled. He was still in charge. He was still in control. The same is true today. I mentioned before that as we consider the different religions of the world... There's a certain sense in which people are working hard to try and bridge the gap that separates them from God by doing good things. No matter how good a person is, you cannot be good enough to reach God, to be accepted by him. there's good news. He came down to us. Mm -hmm. See, here in verse 5, he came down to look at the tower. A couple thousand years later, he came down to the earth as a little bitty baby. He took the initiative to bridge the gap that separates us from God by bridging that gap Himself. Fully God, fully man, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, came down and lived here on this earth. He lived the perfect life and when He died on the cross, He took all of our All of our self-glorying. All of our do it ourselves to try and meet God. He took it upon himself. And he went through the separation that we deserved when God the Father turned his face away. And he experienced the full weight of the just judgment that we deserved. And he died, he was buried, he rose to life again. And now in 1 Timothy two five, it says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. See, Nimrod couldn't be the mediator between God and men. Nebuchadnezzar couldn't be the mediator between God and men. We, we can't bridge the gap. We can't be the mediator. There's one mediator. He came to us. He bridged the gap. He lived the perfect life. He died. He rose to life again. Now here's the thing. Many of you have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. But how about on a day-to-day basis? You see, we have the tendency of getting back into the old mindset of saying, well, you know, yes, I've been forgiven of my sins, but I need to do better so that God will like me more somehow. If only I do this better, maybe God will like me more and he'll be pleased with me a bit better than And what ends up happening is we start acting in such a way that our salvation continue, our continued salvation, our sanctification depends on us and upon our works. But no matter how hard we try, it's never enough. The Lord is calling us to rest in Jesus. Remind your heart of Jesus. Remind your heart of Him being the only mediator between God and man. Not just at the moment of conversion, but every day of your life. And it's only based upon what He has done that we can rest. And allow that good news to motivate your life. See, He rules in spite of mankind. Trust him. Last of all, the Lord rules justly over man. Praise him. Verse 6 through 9. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come. The earth. Mankind rebelled against God when they were building the Tower of Babel. And so the Lord, in His justice, came down and confused their speech. In verse 9, it says, therefore its name was called Babel. Babel comes from, uh, well, the verb Balal, which means to confuse, mix, or mingle. So he came and he, was, he confused and mixed and mingled their languages. That was the start of all of the different languages on the earth today. And it was just. You see, in chapter 9, the Lord had told Noah that mankind was to disperse throughout all of the world and dwell and to be fruitful and multiply and to go out into all of the world. He said it twice to Noah in Genesis 9.1 and 9.7. And what he told Noah, he told Adam in the very first chapter of the Bible in Genesis 1.28. And so for mankind to come together to hopefully reach God was in direct rebellion to the very command of God to go into all the world and to f- fill it and subdue it. And so in the Lord's justice, he brought about a judgment that brought them to the point where they had to scatter out. They had, at that point, to obey what the Lord had originally commanded. <clears throat> Think of Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 33. He was humbled. Could you imagine being sent out at one moment being the king of the world? Really? And the very next moment, going out and eating grass like an ox. It's kind of like Emperor's New Groove. Became a llama. A lot of times I think Emperor's New Groove got that story from the story of Nebuchadnezzar here in Daniel. But he, he grew hair that was long like an eagle's. And he had... Could you imagine his... His fingernails like birds' claws. It was just. But I want us to consider that not only was this judgment just, it was also a gracious judgment. The Lord was extending his grace. See, in verse 6, the Lord is saying. Behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. He knew that they could. It says nothing they wanted to do would be impossible. They could do whatever they wanted. But the Lord in his grace knew that that would only lead to destruction. And so in his grace, he intervened. And and if he wanted to, he could have wiped them all out. But he didn't. He changed their languages. And this is one of the Lord's judgments. That as you go throughout scripture. It's incredible to see how the Lord redeems the languages. Because On the day when the Holy Spirit is given and the church is started, in Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost, Peter is preaching and there's people from all different languages hearing and understanding the gospel. And ultimately, as we go to the very last book of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 7, we are given this incredible, incredible picture Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 10. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation! belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The Lord doesn't get rid of people's languages in eternity. But with those languages, we praise the Lamb and honor Him. When you consider Genesis 11, English probably wasn't even a thought-up language at that time. I'm sure glad that the Lord redeems languages. Or else it it would only be the Hebrew speakers who could hear the gospel and believe. See, the law was given in Hebrew, but the gospel came in many languages. And one day, in all of these different languages, we will be before the throne praising our Savior. What incredible grace. See, Nebuchadnezzar, after he went through the time of humbling, he came out and listened to what he says I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. Nebuchadnezzar learned his lesson. He learned that it is the Lord who rules. It wasn't Him. For us, rest in the sovereign rule of our Savior and praise Him. Praise Him for His justice. Praise Him for His grace. And look forward to that day where around the throne, our voices will join in that chorus. Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb Be glory and honor and praise. The Lord rules. Humbly submit to him. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you rule. May we praise you as Nebuchadnezzar praised you. Having learned that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.